0: Save the Earth, Green Divas, with style and merch, Green Divas, got your every need, Green Divas, to keep you healthy and green.
1: Welcome to the Green Divas Radio Show You're on with Green Diva Meg And rockin' Green Diva Lynn <laughs> Rockin' Green Diva Lynn Woo-hoo! Yeah,
2: because I might be going to Farm Aid soon
1: Oh, that's right
2: That's very exciting I know
1: Yeah. I you think... know
2: how long it's been since I've actually been to a concert?
1: I, yeah, yeah I, A too, really,
2: really long time
1: Don't do that as often as I I used to love rockin' the live music, man we get some local live music that I enjoy, but, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Lot, uh, Farm Aid is amazing. I, I was there in 2007 when they were here in New York, so. Yeah, I've never been. So. Yeah, we got to make it happen. Got to make it happen. So there's, like, so much going on. We had this My Earth 360 with Harriet Sugarman. She came to the studio today. She is one heck of a climate mama. She's a climate mama and um busy climate mama and there's so much going on and she's plugged into all these organizations that have all this activity leading up to Paris, the Paris Cop twenty one.
2: Right. So, so you can learn about what Cop twenty one is and all of these events that you can take part in. Yes. Yeah, around so, the country.
1: Exactly. So you gotta listen to that. Um then we have a foodie file, really interesting foodie file, all about cannabis cookbook. Uh, this woman, right. I know, Robin, uh, <laughs> Robin Griggs Lawrence wrote a book called the Cannabis Cook. Uh, what is it called? The Cannabis Kitchen. Kitchen. Yeah, I think it's Cannabis Kitchen Cookbook, and you know it's interesting because there's there's so much that we don't really know, you know, that she's done a lot of homework on and the nutritional value of eating cannabis as an herb. I mean, many people consider it, you know, you just smoke it, man, and get, you know, So stung. if you use
2: it as an herb, do you still get kind of high off
1: of it? Well, you can, and but there are ways to, you know, um, make it so that you're you're not using the – the THC part or whatever. Um, gotcha. So, she, you know, she's written a lot about that, but the recipes, and there's some funny names for recipes like Go Fish, P H I S H, deconstructed brownies. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Great. <laughs> so, anyway, but it's an interesting interview. I really like talking to her. So, we, you want to listen to that, whether you, you know, eat cannabis or not. <laughs>
2: Sounds good. I guess it's gotta be legal in your state, right?
1: Well, that's the other issue, is they're not obviously suggesting that people who are live in states that it's not legal, yeah. So But it's it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna come around to most states, I think, okay. pretty soon. So Yeah, I think so. And then we, d- we finally have um this Green Diva's Heart Wildlife segment with Kerry Krager. Yes, he's Mr. Save the Frogman. He is. And who knew how I mean I mean I know that all species are vital to our ecosystem, but he's really focused on frogs and what what they mean and and what uh, the destruction of them may mean. So and they're kind of, ex-
2: they're going extinct pretty rapidly, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So they're they're sort of the canary in a coal mine. They're one of the the species to watch and be right. aware of what's happening. Uh, we and speaking of species and animals, we had a wonder. I had a wonderful discussion with Gene uh, Bauer, who's the founder of Farm Sanctuary.
2: Wonderful! And, I can't wait to hear
1: that. You know, I just the guy is so to me like amazing work. You know, just mm-hmm. it's pretty thankless, and for many years, people just pretty much thought they were crazy. You know, crazy vegans, but. Mm-hmm. People are now paying attention, and he's like buddies with John Stewart. He's been on John Stewart,
2: you know. Yeah, I've seen him on that show.
1: Probably a little bit of an inspiration for John Stewart's new adventures, right? Mm-hmm. So it was a really lovely discussion, and uh, so I, I do hope that you will stay on and listen for that.
2: Yeah, lots lots to look look forward to as I stutter my way
1: through. That, <laughs> sentence. that simple sentence. Simple sentence. Say it twice. Um, <laughs> So we also want to just encourage people, you know, we're on all kinds of different platforms for On Demand. So you can listen to the podcast anytime and, of course, streaming. But we're hoping to encourage people to check us out on iTunes and subscribe and maybe leave us, um, you know, a nice review. Yeah, please. That would be wonderful. Why not? Green Divas need love, too. Yeah, we need
2: we need lots of love. (laughs) (laughs)
1: You know what else needs love is our GDGD Radio app. Get the GD app, man. Get that
2: GD app, please.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, they're updating it all the time, and it's more functional than ever. And we have, if you get that app, man, you've got streaming 24-7, the best content on Earth for the Earth right there. At your fingertips, man, and it's free.
2: Can't beat it, man. Just
1: saying. All right, folks, well, please stay tuned. We have lots coming up, and um, have a great green day in the meantime. Overwhelmed by environmental news? Listen to the Green Diva's My Earth 360 report for the latest eco-news bits from around the globe, carefully curated and borne by our need to say WTF. But we also love to share encouraging stories and, of course, ways that you can make your voice count for the Earth. It's not just my Earth, it's our Earth, and together we can make a difference. Well, it's always an especially fun time when climate mama Harriet Sugarman comes to the studio.
3: Yay! Yay! So happy to be in the house, climate mama.
1: Yeah. Uh, This woman, and we're, we're like, she's so busy saving the world and and all of us crazy humans um we're going over the list of all the things happening and we just have to like jump right in there's no schmoozing how you doing we miss you we love you it's what's happening man
3: (laughs) all right yes no time no time to waste thanks yeah it's wonderful and i'm so glad to be with you and to talk about what's being called the road to paris and beyond because there are these big meetings happening in Paris at the end of November, November 30th to December 11th, and there are a load of events happening, many, many events all over the world in the lead up to that, and it's so exciting because there's people all over in every community that are starting to key into these things. So
1: quickly, let's explain to people what we what you mean when we say, we know what you mean when you say Paris,
3: COP21, but what is that? Sure, it's the Conference of the Parties. It's the United Nations holds every year, and uh, there are seminal moments in this time where governments get together to talk about what they have done since the Earth Summit back in 1992 and how they are going to lower their greenhouse gas emissions. Okay. We've run out of time on the last formal agreement and we are now at a point where governments have to make commitments on how they are going to lower their greenhouse gas emissions and each government has been asked to come to Paris each national government ours included to tell the world how they are going to lower their own emissions and unfortunately as with all of these things mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of hype and not a lot of action and right we're finally, at, you know, we're at a point where we need action. We've talked too much. Yeah,
1: because you know what? I mean, we may all be really, really great, let's say the U.S., even though we're not, you know. But let's just say, yeah. like, we're really being conscious. But it, it makes a difference if in Brazil or or China or
3: someplace where they're – if they're not. I mean, because it's all the same planet, man. Absolutely. And last <laughs> mm-hmm. time, those – governments weren't part of it. It was only the developed countries that had right. to make their key plans. So this time, it's, it's the world. It's, we're bringing in all of those other countries. China's got to commit. Brazil's got to commit. India's got to mit- commit. And we need to lead the way. We need to be strong. We have set goals for this, but we really even need to be stronger. And we got to work so, on that.
1: So, you know, even today, this won't air for a couple of days, but there are things that you're involved with. There's so much activity. We really, we should just make you the Green Diva of calendar of events. You know <laughs> what I mean? Right. right. <laughs> but t- tell us a little bit what's going on
3: on the road to Paris here between sure. now and then. Sure. Let's just list some of those things yeah. and talk about them a little bit, too, because what's exciting, too, is that there. it's not just the environmental movement or the climate movement. It's we're recognizing the linkages between, Black Lives Matter, between climate justice, between environmental justice, between unions, between the Green Tea Party, you know, all of those things. So so we just celebrated the 10th anniversary of Katrina uh, last week. We know we still have a long way to go. We didn't address that all that well, uh, but there were lessons that we learned. President Obama... uh, was in the arctic at the beginning of this week and first time a sitting president has gone up to the arctic circle he's making climate change the focus of his visit there but oh the irony the irony Mm. exactly (laughs) we're drilling at the same time it's so there's a lot of hypocrisy on these things and we got to get politics out of these things uh, yeah. September first was the World Day of Prayer, with the Pope asking people to focus on God's creations, on the environment specifically. How
1: about that encyclical? Oh my God. Oh my gosh! Well, all right. How you know how appropriate Pope? It is. Oh my and god! And
2: one of the quotes, as I could say, really quickly from his encyclical. On this subject, never he said, never have we hurt and mistreated our common home as we have in the last two hundred
3: years. Yeah, he mm-hmm. really made it so that it was something that we could understand as mm-hmm. the people. You don't, know, you know, it, wherever you're coming from. And we need more world leaders uh, like him to speak out and make climate justice, the moral aspects of the climate crisis, something that we all can all grab onto and find our way to to do something about it. So we're very excited. He's uh, coming to the United States. Specifically, uh, we've been told to talk about climate. And in fact, Mm -hmm. we're working on uh, an event around that called the Moral Action on Climate that will be from September 21st, which is the anniversary of that big People's Climate March we were all part of last year. Well,
1: Lynn and I were on a plane being part (laughs) of it. But (laughs) But
3: you share all the great information. I did the Chicago version. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, and that's culminating in on the 24th of September in Washington, D.C., at the same time that the Pope will be addressing a joint session of Congress to talk about climate change. And you, we wonder how that's going to go over with some of our congressional reps, more than 100, uh, yeah. you know, saying they don't believe climate change is even happening. And, and
1: how many of those 100 are Christians or Catholics, exactly. in fact, that, you know, really, it's going to be a little bit of conflict? Exactly. And how can you not – I mean, I'm not Catholic. I don't even like – you know, the whole idea of right. the, the Pope and all that stuff. But I love this guy.
3: Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, and, the, <laughs> and, the, and, the, yeah. and what yeah. he's doing is he's bring, it's a, it's an interfaith uh, event that's happening. And, and from the moral perspective, you don't have to be part of any organized religion at all. It's just yeah. looking at it like, how is it our responsibility yeah. Yeah. morally to, you know, do something different? So that's one of the exciting things that are coming that we're working on that's coming up and Going through that calendar and uh, list of things. Oh yeah, there's a there's a,
1: a chick event going on in New York, right? A chick yeah. event. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is absolutely Which hopefully trying. you'll get to, Meg. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to
3: try for that. Absolutely, we have some amazing people coming to New York for an event called Women Speak Climate Justice: The Road to Paris and Beyond, because we need to make sure we go beyond that, and that's part of a global event called uh, Women for Climate Justice, and that is happening in over 40 countries. So very exciting. That's September 29th. -hmm. So look out for that. And actually, in the meantime, every day from now through the 29th, you can upload pictures of yourself with a sign that says Women and Climate Justice or whatever you want, but participate in that. Uh, Do an action. Just send a picture. Write a note to world leaders. And... Uh, we'll be able to showcase that on the 29th. Oh, no doubt
1: Green Diva Lynn and I can figure out some sassy way of, you I know, would, participating, I right? I would
3: think so. Look out, world governments. You <laughs> <laughs> here are the Green Divas. Uh, so that takes us to the 29th. Uh, Climate Mama has an event with the Mother's Project and Stony Brook University and the Center for Environmental Health out in Stony Brook on October 14th, excuse me, October 15th, called uh, Forum 2015, Today's Fossil Fuels and the Future of Our Children's Health. Uh, Some mm, special people. Wow. The day before that, October 14th, is the National Day of Climate Action. So you're going to see things popping up all over your communities, yeah. all over the country. Uh, 350 is a big uh, proponent and push behind that as well are many of the people and organizations that were part of the climate march. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we keep going? Yeah. we got a few more. Yeah, because there's, there's something Live Earth fun coming up. Very exciting, ah. very exciting. Climate Reality is teaming up with the Live Earth folks to present 24 hours of reality and Live Earth. The world is watching, and that <laughs> is 24 hours over November 13th and 14th, and we will have reporting straight from Paris, where the, the World Conference will be You mm-hmm. know, a little bit later, but... Yeah from eight different countries with artists, uh, musicians, acts, amazing people that will be performing, that will be talking about why we need to make sure that the world is watching us as we take action. The original
1: Live Earth was amazing. Remember that? It was incredible. It was incredible. So no doubt this is going to be a big deal. A
3: very, very special deal. So look out for that. They're just starting to launch uh, material about what's, that all going to take place and what it's going to be all about uh, just this week, actually. So it's perfect timing to talk well, about it. Well, there you go. That's well, we have
1: this. to start wrapping up because, like, man, well, we got a lot in there. We did. We and, did. And I know I would say so. that, you know, you're scrambling with for a pen going, oh, my God, I got to get. This. Don't worry. Lynn, Green Diva Lynn, will get it all in a post for you.
3: Excellent. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's so many things. Maybe you can write a post. I would be happy to do that. Somebody will, but it'll show up on the Green Divas, and
1: I'm sure you can always go to
3: climatemama.com. Exactly, that's absolutely true. And you know what? Um, It's and you don't have to be a big organization, a world government. There, these are all events and things that individuals. You can get your school, your business, your neighbor, yourself involved. We all need to speak out, and everyone can make a difference. And we all need to remind those people that want our vote. In the United States, yeah. moving forward, we have no time to waste on people that deny climate change.
2: No. Yeah, let's get this thing uh, on the road, man. Exactly,
3: exactly, exactly. Let's get this
1: party started.
3: Yes. All right. Thanks so much for coming
1: in, Harriet. You'll come. You know what? We're just going to have to have you back in like maybe a month. I would
3: love to come and back. And there'll be, and, like, yeah. a whole lot of more fun stuff we can do. Absolutely. And then we'll know some of those amazing artists that will be yeah. Oh, yeah. participating in Live Earth and at the Moral Action on Climate because there's some pretty special people coming. So we can share that there next you month, go. too. Excellent. Thank you, Harriet. Thanks, Harriet. Thank you both so much. It's so wonderful to be here.
1: Get all the details from this Green Diva's My Earth 360 report and lots more on thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com, and myearth360.com. Green Divas are all about buying less and making more. But when we do buy stuff, we try to make sure it is sustainably made and supports healthy, green living. Here's something we liked and wanted to share with you. Who doesn't love the ocean? I sure do. So this product that uh, I got a chance to review, it connects, let me tell you. This company, Rock Flower Paper, developed these reusable bags. They're called blue bags, and they come in a little pouch so that it's super, super easy to hide in your purse, your car, your briefcase, and always have it handy. They're washable. They're inexpensive, $9 something but they also donate money to Ocean Conservancy because plastic bags are like a plague on our ocean, harming sea life, uh, really just doing a lot more destruction than you can imagine. In fact, 6.4 million tons of plastic gets dumped into the oceans. Uh, and a lot of it is plastic bags. So if we can just kind of remember to bring a reusable bag, it's a step in the right direction. Less plastic bags. Less in the landfills, less that ends up in the oceans. So I like this company. It's um, a great concept. It's great. I love this little bag. So I'm going to tell you, go check out rockflowerpaper.com. Check out the blue bag and make a purchase and maybe buy them for gifts because every purchase adds a donation to the Ocean Conservancy. To learn about more low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green, please visit thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, com.
0: I'm Dr. Anthony Lazowitz, and this is Climate Connections. After installing low-energy snowmakers, electric vehicle charging stations, and an energy-efficient heating system, Maine's Mount Abram Ski Area is leading the industry on sustainability. The resort's latest effort is an 803-panel solar array that is expected to generate enough electricity to offset 70% of the ski area's needs.
2: We had a lot of buzz created last fall as we connected it up and people arrived for the season to see those solar panels sitting out in the back parking lot.
0: That's General Manager Dave Scanlan. The excitement about the panels reinforces belief that eco-friendly initiatives attract a certain clientele, one that is emerging as an important segment of the consumer market.
2: And those are um, people that are choosing their purchases based on environmental footprint and sustainability practices.
0: So to keep their green business practices front and center, Mount Abram uploads real-time performance data from the solar array on the resort's website and displays a sample solar panel in the lodge.
2: Not only is it attractive to our customer base that we want to come to the mountain, but it also makes business sense as well.
0: Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. Learn more at yaleclimateconnections.org. The Green Divas love food. Organic,
4: local, fresh, whole, delicious food. Here now is another Green Diva Foodie File.
1: I wish I had thought of something quippy and groovy to say about this this segment. It's a fun foodie file with um an author and former editor-in-chief of Natural Home magazine, Robin Griggs Lawrence, who's written a wonderfully progressive cookbook called The Cannabis Kitchen Cookbook, which, you know, hey, man, it's coming. She's on, she's on the front lines. Hey, Robin. Hey. How are you? I'm great. How yeah. are you? I, you know, I'm, I'm great. And, and I know, you know, cannabis is being legalized in mm-hmm. um, many states in rapid succession now. And I think a lot of folks, even in your openings, feel that it will be federally legalized. Mm -hmm. Soon enough And um, You know, I I have a a, a, My daughter's friend moved to Colorado Mm -hmm. And she's a chef, a young chef And one of the things she's been specializing in Is creating foods And recipes using cannabis She's a smart woman (laughs) It's a great thing to be in right now Yeah, so I mean Before we even get into the content Of the book, which is fascinating Some fun Clever Names of Things. <laughs> uh, that was
5: the funnest part. Right?
1: Yes. <laughs> how about the Go Fish, and that's P-H-I-S-H, Deconstructed <laughs> Brownies? Come on. That's like <laughs> so cool. Uh, but, but how did you get into this? What what prompted you to to, to write this
3: book?
5: <clears throat> you know i think we 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 always write or at least i always write the book i need um and when i you know i was you know i really did not know anything about cannabis um before my gynecologist prescribed it to me in 2009, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, so, and it just kind of opened up this whole world for me of, of really, you know, no longer seeing it as like this street drug and seeing it as, oh my gosh, this is an herb, this is yeah. a beautiful herb mm-hmm. that can be, you know, played with and all this great stuff, but um, cooking with cannabis isn't like cooking with basil, you know, there's a, there's right. a bunch involved, and I, I didn't know what to do, I didn't have, you know, my joy of cooking for cannabis, so I had to write it. And I did, so I f- basically went out and found the best cannabis chefs that um, I could find in the country, and I think they are the best ones in the country. And um,
1: are there people? Just, so there. Wait a minute. There's a whole category of chefs who kind of qualify as
5: as cannabis chefs. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And you know, when I started this process in 2009, there were fewer. They were harder to find, um, and they were kind of the you know really early. Pioneers. Um, and then, you know, um, what happened over the last couple of years is, uh, you know, a lot of people started to kind of come into the niche. And so, you know, um, I have a, a dietitian nutritionist who also moved to Colorado from Florida because she wanted to get into this. And so, um, just, you know, really, it's just been exponential how many more there are each month.
1: Wow. Well, I, yeah, it is. You're definitely on the front lines with this book of, of a new a new movement, a new and whole wave. I, yep. Wave. And I'm lucky
5: to be in Colorado where is the epicenter, you yeah. know, where it really started happening. It's, it's so funny. It seems normal to us out here. <laughs> so, you know, um, and and I think that's what that's where it will happen as it kind of moves out across the country, it will all just get normalized. And so we can look at this as, um, you know, really a superfood and a healing herb, as opposed to, you know, a kind of something that <clears throat> we have to, you know, be right. secret
1: about. Well, I, w- I will say that I'm sure I know I experimented with making, you know, kind of cookies and stuff way back way back (laughs) in the day right so this is a whole different thing talk to us about i mean people's questions and mine are um like do you get high from this food um you can and you
5: cannot and that's one of the things i really tried to do in this book is you know there are recipes that are they're pretty potent Um, you know, that that you can, you know, definitely we have a kind of a warning on, you know, be really (laughs) careful with this one, right? Um, May cause munchies. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is kind of the problem with this because the food is so good. And, you know, so you want to eat the food, um, but you, you really do not want to eat too much. But I have an entire chapter in there on, you know, dosing and making sure you don't eat too much because it's super important. You don't want to do that. Um, so, you know, but I also have chefs in here who work with the raw plant right. and who work with the fan leaves, which really don't even have much THC, and it's all for the health benefits. So um, there's really a variety here depending on – and, you know, you can, you can also temper it based on how you make. So there's a whole chapter on making infusions and how to make infusions, and I have them that, you know, range from, you know, pretty potent to, um, you know, barely, barely anything, just more for the, the health value and perhaps a, a slight buzz.
3: Um,
5: so, so there's really – you know, it, it doesn't have to be about getting high. I love, okay. For a lot of people, it's about
1: getting healthy. Well, so talk about the health benefits.
5: So you know, um, cannabis is an anti-inflammatory.
1: Oh, um, so yeah.
5: and it's it's also um, you know full of you know um, uh, protein, and it's uh, you know it's just it's, it's you know that's why I really consider it a superfood. It has you know all sorts of vitamins, amino acids. It's just you know it's a, it's a it's a wonderful herb, um, <clears throat> you know, and then it, it has all the, the other benefits, which we're just now getting to. Prove and study, right. and, right. you know, um, for anxiety, for, uh, you know, um, seizures, for all these things that um, suddenly, oh, look, it, it, this does work. Yeah. And, you know, for pain relief as well, that's that's a huge thing. Um, you know, the, our biggest addiction problem in this country is opiates, and it can be a natural substitute
1: for right. opiates. Right, right. Well, I, I, I do remember when my mother... I probably shouldn't say all this. She's gone 20 years now. But, you know, to the end of her life, it was still very illegal. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, she, you know, she was uncomfortable. And my brother said, well, hey, let's try mm-hmm. this. And mm-hmm. I really, really am sorry I missed that episode. <laughs> 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 but i do know she did it did help she had a lot of nausea as well so yeah and that's
5: what it's why it's yeah. so great for chemo patients yeah, yeah yeah and and also because you know appetite stimulation um so one of the chefs in the book um basically used it to cure her bulimia Wow. so you know it really it, it's a, a wide variety and we've just begun to tap the surface of it because we haven't been able to research it until now
1: well it's very fascinating um yeah, I I would I would love to try some of the non, uh, non intoxicating versions. Yes, yes,
5: and you know, and all of these CBD oil is legal in, you know, pretty much every state now. And all of these can be made with a, with a high CBD rather than the THC oil um, so that that can happen pretty much with any one of these recipes.
1: And that still has the health benefits. Exactly. Now, what about the taste? I mean, you know, I saw like there's some pasta in there with, you know, mm-hmm. instead of pesto, it's like, you know, pot yeah. pesto. And that's you made know.
5: with the fan leaves. So that's a, you know, very, um, it's a very different taste. And that's actually one of my favorite recipes. Um, they, the fan leaves are oddly delicious and make a great pesto. Um So, and, and, you know, the taste, you, you definitely, you know, and so I have, I have chefs, again, kind of of both courts on that. So some of them like to mask the flavor, and you can really mask it, especially. That's why it's so often made into baked goods and desserts, because chocolate will really kind of overpower it. Um, but a lot of these, they're playing with the flavors, because yeah. there are so many different flavors of cannabis and wow. you can really so you can match you know say a lemony cultivar with uh you know um you know a fish or something and and so you can really start playing with as a, as a flavor as opposed to just trying to not taste it no, um, and you're using yeah.
1: different bits i noticed there were recipes that included you know some seeds or uh mm-hmm. you know like the buds or other bits right
5: Yes, I mean that's what we try to you know really look at it as a, a whole plant and you know try to use the whole plant. So um, <clears throat> I never have gotten right. Um, you sh- you should be able to make a tea with the uh, stems. Yes. I've never quite gotten that one right, so I bet I didn't put that one in the book. But um, See, I remember so- I
1: remember doing that. Way back, back in the day. Way back in the day. Yes. <laughs> it's not very tasty. <laughs> it's not very good. No.
5: No, and you know we have all this opportunity with other things. So, but yeah, so we use you know the the leaves, the the, the flowers, the trim, which used to be a waste product. You know, yep. when when yep. they trim the, the the you know, so now there's there's a whole industry for this trim that was that used to be going to compost. So it really is wonderful to see. The whole
1: thing. Not your mother's pot plant anymore, people. No, not at all. <laughs> it's such a weird, like, generational thing, right? You know, I mean. Yes, yeah. it, really so, it really is. So people can get, you know, in certain states, obviously, uh, people are able to obtain this legally. And, mm-hmm. and soon, hopefully, people will be able to, more people will be able to use your cookbook uh, throughout yep. the country without having to obtain illegal substances. Yes.
5: Yes, we do not condone
1: that at all. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's it's clearly happening, and it's it's an mm-hmm. interesting it's an interesting prospect, uh, and and interesting to watch. Having you know been around over these years, and yes, you know, pot was always blamed as the gateway to. Exactly. Everything exactly. bad and, in the world. Yes. <laughs> reefer
5: madness. Uh, yeah. Well, and it's an interesting thing because I think that the generation that was the most propagandized in the Reefer Madness, you know, they they're, that's my mom's generation, right? Yeah. And and right. and she she doesn't, she's not. This is not her thing. She she still believes that, and she's probably never going to try it. Oh, but um, no. you know, I, I feel like that's that's kind of the next generation's down. It's just lessening and lessening and lessening, and that's why we're seeing such an exponential.
1: Um, shift. Well, um, I'm excited. I personally probably won't try too much of it. I am a recovering person. Ah, and, yes. And yes. for me, I choose mm-hmm. not to do any kind of um, very know, smart. substances. Yep. That's just my thing. But uh, I thing. certainly yep. hold no judgment on folks that can enjoy and participate. And I'm really going to encourage. But I want, I want someone to you know t- try it and tell me how it is. Yeah, great. I (laughs) I mean, I'm kind of jealous right now, but, you know, I'll get over it. (laughs) Well, and, you know,
5: the good thing is, too, you can make all of these recipes with non-infused oil or butter. So, um, you know, you don't have to infuse it. You know, they're, they're, you know, created to work with the flavors and all that, but um, they're also delicious without...
1: Well, I will appreciate from afar. I <laughs> certainly do. And uh, thank you so much for sharing this with us. And I hope we'll, hopefully we'll have a post. In the meantime, how can yes. people find your book?
5: Um, it's available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, and also I have a website up, and it is CannabisKitchenCookbook.com.
1: There you go. Thanks, Robin. You bet. Thank you so much for having me.
4: Hope you're hungry. For more easy and delicious recipes and even more foodie information, go to thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. Greetings, everyone. This is David Avocado-Wolf, nutritionist,
6: author, and chocolatier, and you're listening to The Green Divas. Listen close, tune in, and have the best day ever.
1: green divas heart wildlife who can resist all those videos and images of adorable baby animals but sometimes these adorable creatures really need our help let's celebrate wild animals learn about them and do what we can to help them wow um i'm interested to talk to this young man who has been so busy saving the frogs. Kerry Krieger is um, the executive director and founder of an amazing organization called Save the Frogs. He is a conservation biologist and he is tirelessly, and I mean tirelessly out there around the world gathering information, educating folks, and helping to save the frogs, which apparently are, well, you know, I mean, we kind of know it, but they really are an important and vital part of our ecosystem. Hi, Carrie.
7: Hi, Meg. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: So, just give us a 101 on frogs and, and why, maybe why you chose to um, focus on them.
7: Well, frogs are really amazing animals, and unfortunately, they're having a lot of trouble around the world. About one-third of amphibian species are threatened with extinction, which means that if we don't do anything to protect them, wow. then we can expect them to go extinct in the near future. And there's already been well over 100 species that have gone completely extinct in recent decades. Wow. So uh, the frogs are facing a lot of threats, such as habitat destruction, pesticides, infectious diseases that are being spread by humans climate change invasive species Wow uh, so there's lots of problems to them and uh, until recently many people did not even know that frogs were disappearing and still many people are not aware that frogs are important to the environment they're they're doing a lot of beneficial uh, services for us they're eating flies ticks and mosquitoes that diseases we don't want please
1: yes
7: (laughs) yeah they're an important food source for lots of other wildlife species and a lot of our medical um, um benefits such as pharmaceuticals and research comes from amphibians so we get a lot of benefit from having amphibians around so it's really important to protect them and plus Kids love frogs, and frogs make the world a more
1: interesting place. There are some adorable, colorful frogs out there. Of course, most of them are not in your average American backyard, but you never know. Now, I read something on your site, like, yes, they're very important and vital for scientific research, but there was one particular frog that was a little bit over-harvested, if you will, and since they started scientific research, it disappeared. I can't remember which one it was, but it was like, oh, bummer.
7: Uh, overharvesting is a big problem. People take frogs out of the wild for frog legs, for dissections, Ooh. for medical care, for pets, mm-hmm. and uh, if we keep taking these species out of the wild, then they start to go extinct.
1: Well, and, and, and in, the, in the grand scheme of things, they are also, they provide food for a lot of other creatures that, you know, I mean, the whole ecosystem goes out of balance,
7: that's right. Amphibians have been around for hundreds of millions of years. So our ecosystems have evolved to have them as part of it. So when they disappear, it causes lots of trouble for lots of wildlife species.
1: So what for what made you kind of really focus on um, frogs as, as, a, as a, I don't know, barometer, if you will, of what's going on and, and, and you know, motivate you to go out there and try to save them?
7: Well, I spent a lot of time traveling around the world and camping out and visiting national parks and going to wilderness areas and noticed a lot of habitat destruction everywhere that I went. And I really wanted to help the environment. And I've always liked hanging out at streams. And I started thinking about what type of wildlife lives on streams and found out that frogs were in a lot of trouble. And it just struck me as a really good um, species to focus on during my phd research which i did in australia and when i finished my phd research and returned to america i realized there was no non-profit organization dedicated exclusively to amphibians and there was a lot that was not getting done to protect amphibians so wow. uh, i just went down the amphibian path and have never stopped because there's so much to do uh, that remains to protect amphibians and educate our society about the environment
1: well and let's face it i mean frogs are cute and they make really good little poster children for environmental causes such as, you know, I mean, everybody loves to quote It Ain't Easy Being Green from the famous Muppet frog, Kermit. That's right. <laughs> um, So you had said something I, I was reading on your site about, and, and the site, by the way, for anybody who wants to know is Save the Frogs. Is it .com or .org? .com. Okay. Save
7: the .dot com, Save- And we've got several hundreds of pages of information. On oh,
1: site. There is. And so I couldn't read it all, but I do encourage people to go learn. And one of the things was that there have been over 200 species of frogs that have gone extinct since 1980. Did I read that right?
7: Uh, that's right. Uh, up to 200 species. And that's far higher than is natural. Naturally, frogs go extinct about one species every 500 years. So they're disappearing several thousand times faster than they should be. Whoa. Which is, should serve as a sign for all humans that uh, we're doing something wrong with the environment and need to start focusing on cleaning up
1: all so those problems. So, if you were going to tell our listeners, you know, like a couple of things that they can do uh, to help you know, keep keep frogs' environment a little safer. But what what can what can we do?
7: Okay, well, I came up with a quick list of four points. One is stop eating frog legs.
1: Oh About yeah.
7: A billion frogs are taken out of the wild for food each year, and several hundred million more come from frog farms. And these farm raised frogs um, come with lots of problems, such as high rates of infectious diseases that they spread to other frogs. Ooh. Another thing is to build a frog pond in your backyard. It doesn't have to be large to attract frogs and provide them with habitat. Habitat destruction is the number one cause of frog um, population decline and extinction worldwide. So, by building ponds or giving them new habitat, and you can also stop using pesticides and stop buying food that was sprayed with pesticides. go yeah. no organic when possible. And another thing, especially this time of year is to drive really slowly on wet nights Aww. the frogs use the roads and uh if you see frogs jumping on the road there's probably more following them so slow down
1: yeah i know you know and then i then like in the morning i'm walking the dog and i see this poor little flat frog and it's upsetting well, these are all really good things and things that we can do. Things that I mean, I do my best to eat organic. Um, I'd love to build a frog pond. I've just, you've just given my husband a new um, fun project for the summer.
7: Great! He, he... And for anyone who does want to learn the techniques of building frog ponds, uh, come out to Northern California, November thirtieth to December eighth, twenty fifteen, and we will be teaching. Wetland construction workshops and building ponds.
1: Oh, that's so cool! Well, um, yeah, we used to have them in our in our other house. We had a stream not too far, and they used to come come by the house, and we would play with them and protect them. Excellent. Oh, play and protect them from the dog. <laughs>
7: And that's important too, and cats as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I'm so glad that you're doing the work you're doing and helping us all become more aware of our amphibious friends, especially the frogs. So, um, everybody, please go visit savethefrogs.com and educate yourself. There's an awful lot I didn't know, and I'm still learning. So, we'll have you back again sometime. I'm Meg. Thanks, Carrie. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Green Divas Heart Wildlife. Please visit thegreendivas.com, that's T-H-E, greendivas.com, to learn more about wildlife, nature, and a whole lot more.
4: Green divas get to talk to so many inspiring people, who each in their own way is helping us find a deeper shade of green. Here's just one of them. Enjoy.
1: Well, I'm very, very happy and honored to be speaking today to someone who I admire greatly for his work on behalf of farm animals in particular, and in getting the word out on why we need to really understand <laughs> what happens to farm animals in the uh, factory farming system and the, the culture that we, we've currently been under for a while. Gene Bauer is the founder of Farm Sanctuary, and if you've never heard of them, please go to farmsanctuary.org. We'll wait for you. No, just kidding. But you, you want to understand the work that he's been doing, and um, he's also the author of a book. Living the Farm Sanctuary Life. Hi, Gene.
6: Hey, Megan. How's it going?
1: Good. And I'm pretty sure we've spoken before. We may have even met because I'm, um, and gosh, it, his name just escaped me. The, the gentleman who started um, Candle 79 in New York. Bart. Yeah, Bart. Okay. Bart and Joy, yeah. Bart and Joy. Love I love I I've I've love the Candle Restaurant. known them for ye- many years, and I've had them on the show, and I know they did an event that was benefiting Farm Sanctuary a few years back, and I think we all connected back then. But, you know, the memory is just full of fun stuff.
6: And there's so much good stuff happening, too. We're we're doing another event, actually, in New York in October. We're having a gala at the Plaza Hotel with uh, John Stewart and Tracy Stewart and Morrissey, and oh. we're going to be honoring them for what they've done to raise awareness about animals.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, he was definitely on my list to bring up the whole John Stewart thing, because I know you must know him, and uh, I love what he's doing with, and, and his wife Tracy's been doing this for many years, you know.
6: Yeah, Tracy's a very strong animal person. She's a vegan. Uh, had a real... Lucky opportunity to be on the Daily Show with John Stewart, and um, I just feel so, so grateful for that. And yeah, they do some amazing things. And, and John spoke a lot about uh, Governor Christie's veto of legislation in, for, in uh, New Jersey yeah. that would have prohibited the inhumane confinement of animals in small gestation crates.
1: Yes, he did. But John
6: Stewart really talked about how this was a political move by Chris Christie. And, you know, to placate folks in Iowa,
1: basically. Yes, yeah, Yeah. I remember that. I I specifically remember that, of course, I am um, a fan of John and The Daily Show. And, uh, well, so let's get back to some of the basics of. Now, you started in Watkins Glen, correct?
6: Well, we actually started in the Mid Atlantic area and oh. were founded in Delaware in 1986. Oh. Okay. We got the farm in Watkins Glen, New York in 1989.
1: Okay, see, well, you know, of course it's all about me, and that's the one that's closer to me, so that's the one I know about. <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah, well, that's, you know, we have had various locations and we work with people all over the country and, in fact, increasingly around the world who are trying to help farm animals and give them a safe place after they've been mistreated.
1: So let's back up and, and explain why. You know, tell us why you were moved to start this.
6: Well, back in the mid-1980s, there was very little awareness about factory farming and the cruelty that farmed animals endure and the fact that we could live well without eating any animal foods. We could be vegan and healthy. And so in 1986, we started actually investigating farms, and we would find living animals thrown in trash cans Mm -hmm. or living animals thrown on piles of dead animals. Uh. So our shelters basically grew out of these investigations, and we now have a sanctuary in New York. We have two in California. We currently care for about 1,000 animals. And we model a different kind of relationship with these animals where they're our friends, not our food. And we just encourage people to think more about the way they eat. Unfortunately, we grow up eating animal food without really thinking about it. I did. I used to yeah. eat meat. Um, but but as we start thinking about it and when we recognize we can live well without causing harm, why wouldn't we?
1: Yeah, it, yeah. I've. I've, yes, I've been a vegetarian most of my life. And I will say that I've had a harder time ditching the dairy but when you learn about what happens to dairy animals it's really upsetting
6: oh my gosh yeah dairy cows have it very bad um for a cow to have milk she has to have a calf and the calf is taken away from her at birth so that the milk can be taken and then sold for humans and if the calf is a male he's not very valuable to the dairy industry so historically they've been used for veal and they're chained by the neck in these small crates for their whole lives. So the veal industry is quite literally born out of the dairy industry. Yeah, literally. Literally. And then for dairy cows, they're pushed to produce about 10 times more milk than they would in nature. So they're pushed beyond their biological limits, and they're usually sent to slaughter after just about three or four years in production. And then they're killed for ground beef. So they're exploited in dairy production. They lose their calves every year. They're pushed beyond their biological limits. And then they're killed at a young age. So, and, uh, so wait a minute.
1: Like, like, they went from being sacred in India to being just, you know, really. Um, what is the natural lifespan of a cow, for instance?
6: A cow can live 20 years in a healthy environment, or, or sometimes even longer. But, I've but heard when they're. Pu- living 30 to 40 years,
1: even. Wow. But when they're pushed to such incredible physical uh, trauma, they, they die within three or four years.
6: That's exactly right. And I would also say there's emotional trauma there. Oh, yeah. You know, having a calf taken away year after mm. year. Oh, um, the
1: videos. Oh, my God. Now, you know, with, with Facebook and the social media uh, community out there, there's so many, you know, you can't hide from this stuff. You can't pretend this stuff doesn't happen or that cows aren't real, you know.
6: <laughs> exactly. Well, the good news is that there's a lot of information available online. Uh, both about the bad things happening in the factory farming industry, but also about the good things you can do instead. There's incredible right. recipes. Yes. very easy to, to Google online, you know, vegan lasagna or vegan, you know, whatever it is. Oh, so yeah. So it's getting easier and easier.
1: Yeah. I mean, when I, I was in the, in the mid-'80s living up in the Berkshires with a bunch of, you know, organic hippie people and – um mm-hmm. You know, we were – it was hard. Like, you know, we made our own almond milk, you know. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah.
6: yeah. I remember back in the 80s making soy milk, and you'd have to buy this powder and mix it with water. Yeah. And now you go into mainstream grocery stores, and you mm-hmm. don't only have soy milk, but you also have almond milk and coconut milk. Yeah. And, you know, there's all kinds of non-dairy alternatives. And there's also starting to be some really great vegan cheeses available.
1: Yeah, I've started making my own. Uh, well, I've been making them on and off for years, but I'm really getting into it lately.
6: Oh, great. Yeah. I mean, you now, we're in the middle of a food movement now where I think people recognize that our food choices have significant impact on our own health and well-being and also on other animals and on the entire planet. And our food choices have mm-hmm. profound consequences, and it's important to think about those.
1: Well, and 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 as I was saying, like now you you can't go online and not stumble into an image of of a cow being released for the first time into you know grass because she's been you know stuck in a little you know crate or whatever a cage thing or um, you know pigs that are so freaking cute you're like wait a minute why wh- this is like a little dog why or what you know comparable to a pet why the would we pet,
6: exactly you know when people come to visit farm sanctuary they get a chance to spend time with these animals and see they're not that different than cats and dogs we have turkeys that will follow you around like puppy dogs on the farm. <laughs> you know they're, they're friendly intelligent emotional creatures and they deserve to be treated with compassion
1: yeah and you know years ago my brother was in the food industry and he would kind of come and tell us these horror stories. So I I knew a little bit more than the average person, but I still learned things that I just almost, you know, you can't unsee these things. You can't unlearn once you know. And I think that's the problem. People generally don't want to know. Like, don't mess with my bacon. I don't want to, you know, fall in love with a pig because, you know, I really like my bacon.
6: No, it's true. You know, people (laughs) sort of live in this state of dissonance between their own compassion and their own, empathy for others and and that's why too often uh people say I don't want to know because it's too upsetting when yeah. they hear about the, when the, this these issues are presented because their behavior is supporting this cruelty. Yeah,
1: yeah. And
6: one of our primary messages at farm sanctuary is to encourage people to live in alignment with their own values. Yes. And to to live in a way they they can feel good about. Right. And eat plants instead of animals.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's got to be um so I know you also are very active in getting information out to people and helping educate people, not only about what's happening in factory farms, uh, and and like you said, there is good news too. Um, you know, things that are they're not all bad, but also legislation and how people can get involved in their own states and on a federal level.
6: Yes, you know, there's from time to time legislative efforts underway to protect animals from cruelty. And people can always go to the Farm Sanctuary website, farmsanctuary.org, for the most recent information, including federal efforts or state efforts. And most recently there was an initiative effort that's getting underway in the state of Massachusetts to outlaw some of the worst forms of confinement, where animals are put in small cages and crates where they can't even turn around. And signatures are going to be collected in Massachusetts. Volunteers are going to travel around the state. And if we get enough signatures, which I think is likely, then the measure will be on the ballot for a popular vote to ban these cruel systems of control.
1: Oh, like a referendum. Hey, I've got a lot of people I'm going to go, you know, make sure they know about this up in the Berkshires.
2: Excellent.
1: <laughs> um, so what – tell me about your book. I think that's relatively new, right?
6: Yes. It's called Living the Farm Sanctuary Life, The Ultimate Guide to Eating Mindfully, Living Longer, and Feeling Better Every Day. And in it, we talk about the tenets of living the farm sanctuary life, such as living in alignment with your values, right. having a mindful relationship with other animals and with your food, uh, eating plants for your own health and the health of the planet. Yes.
0: And we include
6: 100 amazing vegan recipes. Ooh. And I'm very proud of the book. It's, you know, John Stewart had it on his show, The Daily Show, and uh, it's getting very positive response around the country.
1: Well, it's time. You know, it's just time. And um I'm I'm very very excited that that you've done this work for all these years and now things are starting to happen not not just for you and Farm Sanctuary but for the animals that that you care for. And uh I really can't wait to come out there and play.
6: It, you absolutely have to. It's a place where the animals are our friends, not our food, and it's a place where vegan is normal. It's a sanctuary for animals and also for people.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I, it's, so I'm just going to encourage everybody to go do a little homework. Go look at farmsanctuary.org. And, you know, you may live close enough to one to go, go have a visit and go learn and um, tell your friends.
6: Absolutely.
1: Thanks so much, and I look forward to meeting you sometime, Gene.
6: Thank you. My pleasure. I look forward to meeting you as well.
4: Hope you enjoyed that as much as they did. Please visit thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. For more fun podcasts and information on The Green Divas and low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green.
7: You've been listening to The Green Divas Radio Show. Be sure to look for this and other Green Diva Network podcasts on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, iTunes, Swell Radio, and Spreaker. Get social with the Green Divas on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Subscribe to the Green Divas YouTube channel to watch them in action. And for all the latest good green news, visit thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com.